Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, um, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, we're going to look at two things uh, for this episode. One, the Falcons quarterback situation and what could have been done differently, and also the exploding wide receiver market. The quarterback uh, carousel has kept spinning with um, Matt Ryan no longer uh, the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. He is now Indianapolis Colt. Um, he was dealt to the Colts for a third-round pick um, last week. Now, Falcons' situation with him is pretty interesting from this standpoint. That There's 40, 40.525 million in dead money um, that the Falcons have. Uh, for Matt Ryan, and that's a salary cap charge for a player no longer on the roster because they had done four contract restructures starting in 2017 of the five-year $150 million extension he signed in 2018, which made him the first $30 million per year um, player in the NFL. The crazy thing is before they entered the pursuit of Deshaun Watson, they were willing to do a fifth restructure where they were going to create $12 million of cap room um, by taking $15 million of his uh, 2022 salary, add three voiding dummy years to it, and kick the can down the road. Then this thing, they, didn't never, they never filed that um, a restructure. Held off, and in order to buy more time for the... Uh, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan agreed to move his third day of the uh, 2022 league year roster bonus, $7.5 million, um, back three days to the 22nd of March, and they guaranteed that roster bonus. Now, we've seen that happen a couple occasions this year, um, also in Daniel Hunter's case, the roster bonus was moved back a couple of days because the Vikings were con- contemplating trading him and ultimately converted it into a signing bonus. And I think it was in 06, Brett Favre moved his roster bonus four times that offseason as he was trying to decide whether he was going to continue playing or retiring. Because Matt Ryan's contract was done prior to the uh, current CBA, and it wasn't just a simple contract restructure. They had to add money to his contract so he wouldn't lose the 17th game check he was entitled to um, for having a contract done before March 2020. So that meant his 2022 
In 2023, salaries went from $23.75 million $28 million to $24,705,082, million, and $29 million $205,882. So he went from making $51.75 million um, to $53,911,764. Million now, he would have gotten the 17th game checks as a collectively bargained benefit under the CBA where there wasn't a cap charge um, had he done nothing. But now there are cap charges related to the 17th game checks. Now, this whole pursuit, failed pursuit of Deshaun Watson opened the door for trading Matt Ryan this year. And that's how he ends up in Indy. Uh, the 40-point Five to five million in dead money is the biggest salary cap charge you've ever had in dead money. It replaces Carson Wentz's thirty-three million eight hundred twenty thousand six hundred eleven dollars from when the Eagles traded him last year to the Colts. Now, this worked out perfectly from the Colts from being able to accommodate twenty-four point seven million dollars in salary for uh, Matt Ryan because they had Carson Wentz's almost $28.3 million salary come off the books when he got traded to the Commanders. Now, uh, once they got a hold of Matt Ryan, they did a contract restructure for cap purposes. They took $12 million of the of his basically 24-7 in compensation and turned that into a signing bonus. They folded the uh, roster bonus of $7.5 million into the signing bonus. Um, created $6 million in cap space, so his new cap number this year, Matt Ryan's in Indy, is $18,705,882. But, and they guaranteed a salary for this year. His 2023 cap number goes from $29,205,882 to $35,205,882. Now, they broke up the salary into... Nineteen million two hundred five thousand eight hundred eighty-eight to eight hundred eighty-eight, eight hundred eighty-two dollars into uh, base salary, and there's a ten million dollar roster bonus guaranteed for injury. Um, presumably, that's the fifth day of March, like Carson Wentz's was. In hindsight, if the Falcons were going to get rid of Matt Ryan this year, which hadn't been the plan before the failed. Uh, pursuit of Deshaun Watson, maybe Terry Fontenot, the GM, should have gone quarterback last year. Kyle Pitts was great. Looks like he could be, he's already put himself in the conversation of the upper echelon tight ends. He's a receiving mismatch. But last year was the time to find your heir apparent to Matt Ryan. Um, You had three quarterbacks go one, two, and three. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. You had Justin Fields go at number 11, and Mac Jones go at number 15. This year's quarterback crop is not the same as last year's quarterback crop. Quarterbacks always get overdrafted, so there's a chance that with the eighth overall pick that the Falcons use a quarterback, maybe unlike uh, Liberty's uh, Malik Willis, but this... Last year was the year to do that, given how things have shaked out. Now, you either could have stood pat at number four and the Niners leapfrog you, and then you're kind of reaching for either Fields or Mac Jones, or let's say hypothetically, you offered up the fourth pick 
knowing that maybe you liked uh, Trevor Lawrence, you're never going to get, and the Jets were going to take the other quarterback at number, whoever's number two, Zach Wilson, and you couldn't get to get one of those two. Who's to say Atlanta couldn't have done what um, Miami did um, in terms of uh, acquiring uh, moving, making the trade so uh, the 49ers could be in position to take Trey Lance. So maybe it's number four. If you could have done that, traded with the, traded with the Niners, and moved back to 12, you could have gotten a 2022 20, and 2023 first round pick and another pick. Uh, there's a 2022 third round pick, which was also in the swap. And then if you're 12, if you're in a position, if you like fields, you move back up. We saw Philadelphia move from 12. I mean, we saw Miami move from uh, 12 to 6 to get in position for Jalen Waddle. You don't move up that high, but they gave up a. That trade was a first and fifth for a uh, first and fourth and a 22nd, 2022 first round pick to move up uh, six spots. So you'd give up one of those first probably to move up if you really wanted to ensure that you got Justin Fields or you stand put at number 12, and you let Mac Jones fall to you. Then it becomes, what do you do at, at that point with Matt Ryan um, if you had your quarterback in for the future? First, I got to think if you're going to trade him, you would get more than you got for Julio Jones. Um, this year, you had no leverage once Matt Ryan decided he wanted out, was open to a change of scenery, and you only got the third. Julio Jones essentially went for a second and a fourth. I know there's a, there's a swap of other picks. I think a swap of six, but there's second and fourth is basically what he went for. So uh, presumably you would have gotten at least that from Matt Ryan had you traded him last year. Then it becomes, um, I guess the options would be you'd have Matt Jones sit for a year behind Matt Ryan, then you move him this year. But you'd have your quarterback in the future already set. Or do you try to trade him? And that would have created another problem, another issue, is the dead money, even if you didn't do that. And I'm presuming you don't do the last restructure you did last year. If you're going to potentially move on from that run, you find another way to get the cap room um, that was created. Um, I think it was $15 million of uh, cap space that was created in uh, that restructure. Maybe you do Grady Jarrett. You restructure him. No, they got 14 million in cap space. I was just looking at looking that up. They got 14 million in cap space last year. So maybe you try to get it from Grady uh, Grady Jarrett or some someplace else. And Matt Ryan, and you keep his cap number intact. It was 40 million 912,500 before you did anything last year. But you were going to have 44 million 437,500 dollars of dead money. Taking that in one year would have been tough. So if you could have convinced a team like, say, Denver um, that you were to make the trade and not Teddy Bridgewater but hold off until June 2nd and process it, kind of like they did with Julio Jones where they wanted to split the cap hit over two years so they didn't have trade Julio before June 2nd. Um, because uh, starting on June 2nd, um, bonus proration from future contract years does not hit the cap in the current year. It's delayed till the next league year. So, if you could have done that, then you only would have had $17,912,750 of dead money 
uh, for Matt Ryan. And you'd have 26.525 of dead money uh, this year associated with him. And you would have had his entire 2021 salary uh, of $23 million coming off the books. <laughs> uh, so you would have picked up $23 million of cap space in 2021. But now in the new team, Denver, whomever would have been getting Matt Ryan for 70 4.75 million over three years, or maybe you're not afraid to trade him within the division, um, but you'd have to probably eat the full dead money now, and maybe maybe you uh, you ship him to Carolina. You'd increase your cap hit 3.525 million in 2021, have have him off the books for 2022, and Carolina gets Matt Ryan, uh, and you'd have to face him. Um, potentially, but that wasn't a concern when Buffalo traded Tom, Br- not traded Drew Brees because they're going with Tom Brady after they won their first Super Bowl um, in the 2001 season. Trade him to the Bills. And we saw that Donovan McNabb was traded in the division, went to the Washington Commanders. So, now you're kind of faced with in Atlanta, do we go quarterback this year? Or do we ride it out, go with Marcus Mariota this year, who, who was signed to a two-year $18.75 million contract with $6.75 million fully guaranteed. Salary breaks down to $6.75 million in 2022, $12 million next year. Of the, uh, $3 million of the $12 million is a fifth-day roster bonus. So this is really his chance to kind of audition and put himself in position to be a starting quarterback uh, long-term. Um, or he's going to be that bridge guy someplace else if teams aren't comfortable, or maybe he's destined to be a backup. We'll see. But um, if things go south, then maybe you're in a position for Alabama's Bryce Young or Ohio State's C.J. Stroud next year. But in any event, um, I don't think anybody – at least from the fan base, was contemplating the Atlanta Falcons, one, not having Matt Ryan on the roster this year after the restructures they did, and then the reversal change of course with Deshaun Deshaun Watson um, kind of set all this in motion, and the fact that you were willing to do a fifth contract restructure <laughs> kind of from the outside looking in uh, makes you kind of wonder what's going on with Atlanta. Now, if you're able to pull off the Watson trade, putting the sexual misconduct assault issues aside, you've got your quarterback for the future, for the for I don't know the next however many years, and trading Matt Ryan just from a pure football standpoint would have been justified. But um, we'll see what the Falcons do with the eighth overall pick. If they don't take a quarterback there, maybe they take one second round, third round. Or do they just kind of address other needs? One in particular is wide receiver because <laughs> uh, there's nobody really to throw the ball to except Kyle Pitts at this point. <laughs> and the quarterback for the future will be addressed in 2023.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's take a look at the uh, wide receiver market. We now have multiple receivers hitting the $20 million per year mark. Um, that market has changed dramatically since the end of the 2021 season. You had four wide receivers at $20 million per year. Mari Cooper at $20 million. Keenan Allen at $20.025 million is an average. Julio Jones at $22 million. And DeAndre Hopkins, whose new money is $27.25 million. And, you no, know, part of the reasons Devontae Adams couldn't get a deal done with the Packers last year is the Packers didn't want to acknowledge that DeAndre Hopkins deal. To me, the telltale sign that they're talking over new money is he had $39.915 million left on his contract for the three years. The total of the five years is... Now, I think it's 94.415 million, which means they were talking about new money. I, I'd imagine that Hopkins wanted it ripped up, wanted something, wanted to top Julio Jones, and say wanted 112.5 million over five years. They backed out what he had left, and they're like, we're not paying you like 38 million a year in new money on an extension. Same thing you'll see of Aaron Donald, uh, who's negotiating with the Rams, that I doubt they're going to rip it up and give him $150 million over five years. That it might be a two-year extension or something, maybe at uh, $60, $60 million over two, so that's $30 million per year, something like that. But anyway, um, now you've got eight guys making $20 million per year or more, and that includes the uh, Titans cutting... Julio Jones, so he's no longer in the equation. Now, um, people like to point to Christian Kirk's deal as being a catalyst for the receiver market really escalating. Yeah, what he does is doesn't help, but there's already a deal in the marketplace that ensured people were going to be gunning for $20 million per year. To avoid having to make a decision about a franchise tag for $18.816 million on Mike Williams. The Chargers signed him to a three-year, $60 million deal, $40 million fully guaranteed, averaging $20 million per year, when he is at best 1B for the Chargers and maybe the second option behind Keenan Allen. Chargers only team that have two $20 million per year receivers, per year receivers, and they're really loading up to try to take advantage of the last part of the window when Justin Herbert's going to be as cheap as possible. Williams had a career year, 76 catches, 1,146 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. That deal in and of itself probably ensured that the guys in the 2019 draft class were going to be looking for at least $20 million per year. Now, what Christian Kirk did, $72 million over four years, $37 million fully guaranteed. Deal maxes out at $21 million per year because he's got $12 million worth of incentives each year. 
This is a guy who never been a thousand yard receiver. 72 catches, 997 yards, five touchdowns was his career year last year of Arizona. When DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, he did not start putting up huge numbers like he's the number one receiver. <laughs> you saw more of an uptick in the production of Zach Ertz, <laughs> the tight end. Jacksonville, he's a huge upgrade. But this deal in and of itself, you're going to see receivers go, wait a minute. <laughs> if he's at 18, you know, for what he's done, I got to be way above 20. So it does factor into that from that equation. It's going to have more of a direct bearing on any negotiation of Hunter Renfro, another slot receiver um, with the Raiders. Hunter Renfro, 103 catches, 1,038 yards, nine um, touchdowns. I want to see the Raiders try to justify to Hunter Henry and his representation why he should be making less than uh, Christian Kirk. But um, there is one of the um, eight guys who are above uh, 20 million, where I see that it had a direct impact. That um, Carolina Panthers signed a DJ Moore to three-year extension. Now, over the four years, which include, included his fifth-year option, he's making 73 over the four years. So I'm pretty sure the agent was like, you know what, Christian Kirk's making 72 over the next four. I can't make less than Christian Kirk over the next four. You back out the option, and you get. A three-year extension at $20.628 million. So you're going to see that factor in the equation as well. Like maybe that's the new floor. Now, you've had two guys take the market to a different level on paper. First, you had Devontae Adams, when he was, who was franchised by the Packers, get traded for first and second round pick to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And he signs a deal that on paper is base value $140 million over five years. That's $28 million per year. But you got to look at the structure of the contract. And this is a contract which is more form over substance. And when I was an agent, I didn't care about putting inflated years at the end of a deal. I cared more about the substance of the deal to each his own. Um, this is kind of ego gratification, bragging rights for Adams. But he's got $67.5 million in the first three years, $22.5 a year. That's the real value of the year deal. He's got $72.5 million in the last two years, $36.25 million in each of 25 and 2026. It's going to turn 30 near the end of this football season. So we're talking when a season where he's going to be playing 33 and 34. He's never going to make that type of money in those years. They'll cut him or they'll have to take a pay cut. No rework the deal. So I look at this as really $67.5 million over three years. And I'm sure teams around the NFL are going to look at it that way. $22.5 million per year. Now, let's go to Tyreek Hill's case. That um, The Chiefs and Tyreek Hill had been talking extension. And then this DeAndre, not this DeAndre, this Devontae Adams deal kind of threw a monkey wrench into that whole equation. And next thing you know, last week, Tyreek Hill has the option to be traded uh, to the uh, New York Jets 
or he can go to the uh, Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins gave up five picks for him. 2022 first, second, fourth round picks, as well as 2023 fourth and sixth round picks. He signs a four-year extension for $120 million. $72.2 million in guarantees and $52.35 million fully guaranteed. So I call this a three-year extension of $25 million per year because he has $45 million in the 2026 contract year. Now, this is his second big extension. And we are not going to see Tyreek Hill playing in 2026 for $45 million. So that's another one of these cases where he can technically say he's the first $30 million per year non-quarterback. But realistically, it's $75 million over three years. So still, nonetheless, now you've got eight guys, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, Mari Cooper, Mike Williams, and also Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was franchised for a second time in Tampa and tore the ACL and MCL on his right knee late in the season, but he signed a three-year, $60 million deal with $40 million fully guaranteed to stay with Tampa. So, those are your, your guys, your eight guys who are now in the $20 million per year club. That club is going to expand by the start of the 2022 regular season because of the 2019 draft class. And you've got 2019 receivers drafted in the second round, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, also third-round pick, Terry McLaurin. Now, the interesting thing is... One person is going to have a lot of say in what happens in the receiver market, and that's uh, Tory Dandy, the agent. Tory Dandy has done two of these deals so far, Mike Williams and Chris Godwin. He's done two of the deals this offseason. Also represents Brown, Samuel, and Metcalf. Now, I'm Terry McLaurin. I'm a guy who's averaged 74 catches, 1,030 receiving yards, five touchdowns, average season in my three years. And I haven't had a great quarterback to play with. (laughs) Uh, Carson Wentz should be the best quarterback he's had. Anything below DJ Moore, and I'm not interested, so I'm talking $21 And then for these guys, something else they should be looking at is, and this is what I used to do as an agent, if I played out my contract and I'm someone that I thought might be franchise tag worthy, what would that number be? Um, And then I'd start applying the, the franchise tag game and using that as a guide. So... This year, the wide receiver franchise tag number is $18.419 million. Now, conservatively, I've gotten from teams are using between 225 and 230 from a couple of teams for the 2023 cap. And their cap planning has to be on the conservative side. Based on that, I'm going to ballpark the 2023 wide receiver franchise tag at $20 million. So, let's say... It's $20 million. You stick a second tag at 20% raise, then you're at 24 The average of two tags is 22 So I'm not doing a deal under 22 from any of these guys. McLaurin, Metcalf, Brown, Samuel. I'm not doing a deal for under 20, $22 million. And then what's going to happen is whoever goes first out of these four is probably going to get leapfrogged by the other three. 
Um, the Titans have come out and said they're committed to uh, A.J. Brown long-term, trying to get something done. <laughs> um, I would be reluctant to pay him that for one reason. We don't throw the football. <laughs> That's a run-oriented offense. You got Derrick Henry. So do you really need a 22 million dollar per year receiver in that offense well if i'm the age if i'm the agent i'm like yeah you do that's the going rate if you want him pay the going rate if you don't trade him to the jets we know the jets probably be willing to pay 25 million for a guy they were in the tyreek hill sweepstakes speaking of guys who could get traded or at least speculation the, the Seattle says they're not rebuilding, they're reloading, but when you trade Russell Wilson, um, you cut Bobby Wagner, uh, you say Drew Locke potentially could be your starting quarterback, you're rebuilding. You're not going anywhere unless Drew Locke, if you Drew Locke is your quarterback, unless he plays above the second round pick that was used to take him, you're the worst team in that division. So there's been speculation that given the way the receiver market is going, the DK Metcalf could be moved. Metcalf set a franchise record for receiving yards in 2020 with 1,303. Great size, great speed. Those types of guys get paid a premium. You have to be comfortable paying DK Metcalf in this range or more or Seattle could look to move him before the draft. That's what the speculation is. Now, the most interesting case out of these guys is Debo Samuel. Because Debo Samuel had a breakout 2021 season. Led the NFL 18.2 yards for catch, 77 catches, 1,405 receiving yards, six touchdowns, first team all pro. But when they had injuries in the backfield, they moved him to running back. He averaged 6.3 yards per carry. 365 yards on 59 carries, 8 touchdowns, was third in yards from scrimmage with 1,170. He calls himself a wide back. Now, to me, he may be the most dangerous offensive weapon in the NFL. And if I'm trying to distinguish Debo Samuel from everyone else because you get added value from him not only looking like he could be a one of the best running backs in the league, but one of the best receivers as well. So you got a weapon that a dimension the other guys don't have. So you have to pay a premium for that. There's been some talk, well, they could play him in enough snaps in 2023 if he doesn't get a new contract that the running back franchise tag would come into play. But if you look at the snap count from last year, even when he started playing more running back, it was predominantly a wide receiver, 826 total offensive snaps according to pro football focus 80 at running back one at tight end in line 745 is a receiver 209 in the slot 536 wide so they'd have to dramatically change how he's used for a franchise tag position dispute to even come into play if he played out his contract but for him I'm thinking north of 25, the Tyreek Hill number, because of the added value of what you can do with him. But floor's still 22. And this is a situation where the Niners can afford him at that price because of quarterback situation. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback for the future. Trey Lance is. So they're going to have a cost-contained, cheap quarterback. You're going to have Nick Bosa probably at $30 million per year. 
You've already got George Kittle, highest paid tight end at $15 million per year. Fred Warner, in terms of off-ball linebackers, he's slightly over 19. That's second to Darius Leonard for now. So you can handle Debo Samuel going over the Tyreek Hill $75 million over three mark if you had to. With all these guys, if they start getting done on a quick basis, you have a couple of guys who have multiple years on the contract that aren't going to be happy because of the way they're performing. One, let's look at the Rams. If they're going to do Aaron Donald with three years left, how can they not reward Cooper Cup with two years left on his contract? In 2020, he signed a three-year extension, $47.25 million over three years, averaging $15.75 million per year. Deal maxes out at $48.375 million. Won the triple crown in receiving last year, which hadn't been done like 15 years um, by Steve Smith. 145 catches, over 1,900 receiving yards, 16 touchdowns. He's under contract for $29.5 million over the next two years, $14.875 million and $14.625 million. So you're probably going to have to put him near the top of the market. And by top of the market, I don't mean the $30 million for Tyreek Hill and the $28 million for um, Devontae Adams. I'm thinking DeAndre Hopkins from what is earnable is still the top at 27 point. Then there's Stephon Diggs. Brandon Breen, Bean, the GM for the Bills, could be digging himself a hole by saying, he's Diggs has two years left. Uh, we don't have to do anything for his contract. Well, Cooper Cup gets done with two years left then you may have to address him sooner rather than later. He only led the NFL in catches and receiving yards this first year there in 2020. He's got two years left on his contract um, as well for a shade over $27.25 million. Supposed to make um, a little over thirteen five this year and a little under thirteen seven next year. So you could have a problem with him. As well, particularly if you get Cup done, who has two years left. He signed a five-year, um, Diggs did, signed a five-year, $72 million extension. That's the base value in 2018 with the Vikings. So he's got more of a gripe than Cup from being under contract longer. And the market has changed significantly since then. Then one other veteran that probably won't happen this year, but next year, keep an eye on Mike Evans. Excuse me, five-year, $82.5 million contract in 2018. He's the go-to restructure guy. Um, he's got $28.5 million left over the next two years, $14 million and $14.5 million. 2023 cap number of 23, almost 23.7 because of the restructures. Most 1,000-yard seasons, consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to start a career. He's at eight, eight for eight so far. So, receiver market is going to continue to go up. So this will be one of the most fascinating markets to watch this offseason. But that's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Um, Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also, read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll see you back here next time. And goodbye.